Welcome to episode 17 of the Shark Bites podcast, a Throwdown Thursday production. I am your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd, and I am here in the Pat Cave at the depths, uh, the deepest, darkest depths of Magenta Manor. I know I don't usually say that for this show, but I'm saying it this time because I am uh, very excited because I have a trio of guests on to talk about uh, a really, really well done horror film. Uh, that kind of takes some twists and turns that you might not expect, but uh, we're just going to get right into this, so uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. So I am here, uh, pre-Dorkening Show interview with the uh, directors and star of Echoes of Fear, which I had the good fortune to watch. I am here with Brian and Le- uh, Bradley and Trista Robinson. Uh, folks, thank you for uh, joining us. This week, I really appreciate it. Like I was saying off air, and uh, thanks for yeah, having us. Yeah. We're excited to be part of it. Of course, I, I really appreciate it. And you know, like we were saying a little bit off air, I I really enjoyed the film. I I like the fact that you took some risks and took and they really paid off. So obviously, we're not going to get into any type of spoilers, and I'm not even going to really discuss any specific plot points. Uh, what I generally like to do, especially with a, a film of this type, is basically just read what the IMDb uh, description is, so folks at home can kind of get an idea. Uh, after inheriting her grandfather's house, the mystery of his set and the evil that hides inside. So when you look at that setup, it's a fairly straightforward kind of uh, ghost story. But uh, right. I like some of the things that you guys did. Now, again, without... Uh, getting into too much detail i just want to ask you a couple of a couple of questions and, and point out a couple of things that i thought were interesting so the uh brian and Lowe, this is to you uh where did this idea come from like where was this uh was this percolating somewhere was this something that you um you know you had been thinking about for a while or you looked at something you saw and you were like you know what this would have been so much better if and then you know you took it from there well, generally, like all, all our ideas that we do together, we, we tend to get it from either real life experiences or, or people that we know or like uh, uh, a news article or an event that we hear about. Uh, and this one actually started incubating back in 2010 when we moved into this house that we're in right now, which is where we shot the movie. And basically almost everything in the first act of the movie happened in this house over the course of the first year. We were in the house. Such so, as like yeah. uh, the intercom would make some weird stuff. First, it was kind of strange to have an intercom in the house. So at first we'd play with it, but then sometimes we'd be like, uh, there's it, there's buzzing. Or there were, um, what other things? Well, it was the intercom. There were these new pipes. There was this cat crying where there couldn't be a cat. And this whole house is built with very strange architecture because it's built into a hill on the bedrock kind of, each level of the house steps over behind and back up over the previous level because of how they had to build it into, into the hill, really. And so it has a lot of weird crawl spaces and, and weird locations in the house. 
And we cannot love the crawl spaces. I I was scared to go in it personally. And uh, so with, because I was scared, I thought it'd be yeah. really good to put in the movie. Yeah, so we well, like we heard this cat and we went to investigate and it was a house, but there's no way anything could have gotten underneath the house. We were crawling around there at night with flashlights and 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 then it kind of escalated. We would hear these uh, this walking in the hallway at night, which you know everyone's like, oh, it's house selling, whatever. But the thing is, it's like the walking would be like exactly like footsteps as opposed to like just Randy's. Uh, and finally, it culminated for me, you were scared because you were on the road shooting other things. But it culminated with me, with me starting to see this uh, dark shape, which uh, I think the last time I, I really saw it, uh, it freaked me out because uh, I woke up and it was standing there. And then it kind of rushed me and then I screamed. And uh, anyway... As one, yeah, as one would do. Yeah, as one would do. But all these things kind of happened. And, and the funny thing is, of course, you, you tell this story to someone, you're like, oh, you stayed in the house? Or are you crazy? But of course, for me, it was more like, well, I kind of wanted to know what was going on. And I didn't physically, it scared me, but I didn't physically feel in danger. And I actually kind of found it kind of fascinating. Um, so the problem was we did another movie in between because the problem was, I didn't know what the second and third act of the story was because the things that were happening to us was great for a first act of a story, the beginnings of a story, but it didn't lead to the rest. So we actually came across two other uh, true stories, true events, one of which happened in the seventies in the area where the house was. And the other event actually happened in another country. Uh, and uh, I can't really say what those events were because they kind of turned into giant spoilers, but, right. um, but basically we took those other true real stories and realize how it could link in with our experiences in the house. Slowly, those three things, the story started developing. Well, add, add layers to the initial story. Yeah, yeah. Just to make it more interesting. But the initial experience was kind of the spark. And then yeah, it kind of yeah. like rolled from there. The but, it took, but it took a while to figure out how everything fit together into the story. Yeah. It, it took some time for the script. So that's interesting. And and you guys didn't, you know, lean into the, uh, you know, inspired by true events or based on a true story type thing. Uh, I didn't want to do that. And I appreciate funny, though, that. Because there's more like inspired by true events in this movie. There's probably like way more inspired by true events in this movie than most of the movies that say based on a true story. But I just didn't want to do that because we took three totally disparate things and worked them together. So it just didn't feel right to say, like, inspired by the like story. I mean, technically it would have been true. One connecting story when it's not. Right, right, it's right. Yeah. So it's, while it's technically true, it's also kind of a, a, a misdirect at the same time. Yes. And like you said about the uh, story synopsis, I mean, we worked really hard both with the trailer and the story synopsis to kind of, like, bring people in with it being a traditional ghost story and then as the movie develops, you kind of get served up something else, uh, even though it still satisfies you if you're looking for, you know, a haunted house ghost story. But we didn't want to kind of spell that. So it was kind of tricky. Uh, but it's worked out well because in the festivals and the, I mean, the audience yeah. really liked the turn uh, in the story, which happens. They really like that. And because we didn't ruin it for them by saying what it was, they were surprised. And that's kind of nice to be able to still give people a surprise in this day and age when usually you know the entire story before you ever see the movie. All right. So that obviously that's that's a great place uh, to get inspiration from, especially if it's in your own home. So 
Trista, my question for you now, did you uh, draw on any personal experiences like being in the house? Did you have any of this? Stuff? Uh, did you witness it yourself or, you know, were you aware of this story before you took over the role? Yeah, I was aware of the stories of the goings in the house. While we were working, it was very intense and we were very focused on work and I wasn't scared or anything. But um, so I didn't have any firsthand uh, paranormal experiences uh, while we were shooting. But I I collaborate with Bry and Lo uh, still, and and they're also good friends. And so sometimes I will stay over and I'll sleep in Alyssa's room, and I'm real scared <laughs> all the time. We have to give you a nightlight, um, I think, right? <laughs> and we did, yeah, she, they have a nightlight for me. Um, and then we did shoot a, a really cool um, featurette for the um, Blu-ray where we went, uh, I, I think I can, and Lo can talk a little more about it if they want. I don't know how much I can give away about it, but um, but we all kind of talked about our experiences. So did you draw on that when you were, you know, kind Not of... in the house, our personal experience. Right. Uh, but, like, did you draw on any of, like, your personal experiences or, you know, kind of try to put yourself into this uh, this position of, like, okay, I'm sleeping in Alyssa's room, like, you know, when you're shooting stuff and having some of these, uh, you know, maybe not paranormal experiences, but knowing the goings-on in the house and, like, did you use that to kind of cultivate your character? Oh, I see. Sorry, I think we might have a weird audio thing when you first start to talk. So if I'm delaying, I'm just waiting to figure out what you're saying in context. I don't know if you're having that with him as no. well. But um, so I, I, I can't say that, honestly, that the, the actual paranormal experiences that occurred in the house necessarily informed my performance. Um, I can't honestly say say that because when I was shooting I wasn't afraid and as an actor my job is sort of to bring my own life experience to the character and to the script and so when I showed up I was um, very and also of course reacting off the environment but not in a way that was um, I think I might have been distracted from work if I from my motivations if I was thinking about a real paranormal experience. Okay, that makes sense. I understand that. So, well, especially with your character, with uh, Alyssa's character, because she's not really a, a paranormal believer. So, your character, when you come in, you're, you're, she's not a character who's afraid of the dark or afraid of the noises at night or afraid. So, her whole like focus, bringing her character into it, it would have almost been like it would have been very disruptive if she'd been thinking about being afraid because it's kind of the opposite of who she is she's very fearless well she thought it was uh, a safe place going there yeah i mean no idea i mean it develops for her what escalates in the yeah. movie but it, but you know right from the beginning she's she has to be fearless or otherwise the movie progress but then even though you know even afterwards when she starts mm -hmm. like realizing that there's some stuff going on um maybe you meant like she maybe she's drawing from you know when right. when she has to deal with the ghosts for example at that particular time how you know did you did you go to your personal experiences to kind of relate to paranormal events exactly I mean, that's what i was wondering well 
Well, there's a lot of. I feel like I'm failing you miserably and like giving a better answer. No, 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 no. There's a lot of ghost experiences in the film, and the film is peppered with like my true motivations and and sometimes memory of own experiences. Never. I think when you're when I am breaking down a script. Everything has to be super specific, especially if I'm using sense memory. So any paranormal experiences I've had were as a kid and I'm a little um, gray on them. I'm not really sure. And I don't think it would have worked uh, for me for those purposes. Well, the, the reason I was yeah, asking. We did the- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say that I was asking is because you were very, very convincing that like this is a deep seated terror that you were experiencing. So I didn't know if there was something that motivated that or if you were just this is how the character is supposed to act. And so that's what you're going to do. So if that's if that's where you're coming from, then you did an even better job than I thought. Well, there's a, an actual interesting uh, moment with Trista's acting uh, is that scene um in the bathroom, mm-hmm. you know, when she's confronted. Um, be just before that, to, to get ready for the character, um, Trista would just take little naps. So she's actually totally, like, disconnecting so that... And then she just immediately, she'd be there. I went, I, I was worried, thinking, is it, can, can she be at that level, that, that far, that fast? And yes, <laughs> she could. Yes, clearly. <laughs> So I wasn't afraid of ghosts. I was just napping. Yeah, that's right. Well, I, so, I, so you're napping, and then you're coming on set, and you know, like super chill. And then when we start rolling, well, she's there. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's, it's like, there's really no amazing. like gradual. I'm gonna, you know, go in the hallway and try to make myself. No, there's none of that. It's just. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. Trista just arrives and um, like you wouldn't think that, that she's in that moment. And uh, when we're when we're rolling and we action, um, she's there. Yeah, it was it was really impressive. I remember that yeah. night in particular was very I was very impressed. Very impressed. Oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, <laughs> she's a real tough trooper. Uh, and a good you know, nap. a lot of even though we we did the. Uh, special effects practically, uh, we organized the special effects to maximize when we had the makeup effects to just be shooting those shots. Um, so a lot of times she's actually, when we're shooting her parts, she's reacting to nothing, even though we'll be shooting the actual physical thing on the set at another time. Uh, so it's kind of like how she's able to react to things that aren't there, uh, which, which is really, really impressive, I thought, with, uh, with your hormones that you did. Thank you. And that's something that, you know, you don't see a lot in in bigger budget films, you know, like even if you have to have some sort of uh, CGI element, like they will have a prop or, you know, something like Mm -hmm. uh, Avengers Endgame comes to mind because I've seen a lot of the uh, the behind stuff. So, you know, where you have Lee Cooper's Rocket Raccoon running around like they had a stuffed raccoon that would be the stand in or when, uh, you know, Mark Ruffalo was the Hulk or, or Josh Brolin was Thanos they would have like a cardboard cutout on the actor. It's like, so you have a point of reference to look at. So it's like, this is where his face is, you know, Brolin's, you know, six foot, whatever, but Thanos is like nine feet tall. So it's like, okay, you're looking up here, not down here. So you have those points of reference. I, again, I think it's more difficult and more impressive 
if you're trying to look at something that isn't there and you're like, okay, where's my sight line? You know, and that goes to not only you as the actor, but you guys as the, the director, the director and like the, the creative force behind it. It's like, okay, I have to make sure I get the shot right. And, you know, again, you don't have dozens of attempts at it. Um, one of the things I really liked uh, about this was the fact that you guys spent a lot of time in the crawl spaces. And, Lo, you already said you weren't a fan of going under, and I'm right there with you. I am not a fan of crawling around under houses because I get a little claustrophobic and I get creeped out because I'm a huge horror fan. Um, so what was it like, you know, overcoming and having to, you know, kind of uh, brave the elements, so to speak? Well... When we're shooting, we're like, I mean, it's not that we're many people, actually. We're very few people. Sometimes, actually, I had to be... There's one particular instance where to get the shot right, they had to close me in. And, (laughs) you know, there's there's a section that has um, cement. And it is for real. It's cemented. And then um, I had to be in. And then Brian had to fix (laughs) the thing. And I'm in the dark... This is like an Edgar Allan Poe story here. First, I have to figure my shot shot, what it's going to be. I'm alone. Like, okay, bye. Okay, we'll see you in 15 minutes. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, so I had to kind of just try to focus on uh, the shot and what we're going to have and not kind of get distracted by darkness. (laughs) She's not only the the co-director, she's also the director of photography in the shooter. So she get you know, she's very much like not only is she in the actual element shooting, she's also having to to light it and get the camera and the lens and the positioning and everything else. So it was very challenging. But being in the actual spaces, I think adds such an element of realism that you really couldn't get unless you had a much, much bigger budget. Because to build sets like that that had that level of realism would take a lot of money. So even though it was very difficult to shoot in those environments, I mean, it was great to get the production value of the real place. Uh, and then there's that one room, which is really a house that they eventually get into. And, and usually when I'm at a screening, everyone thinks that's a set, but it's not. It's actually really there underneath the house as well, even though it's a ridiculously large room. The big cross. Yeah, it just doesn't even make any sense. You look at it, you look at the house, you're like, how could that even be there? But uh, it's yeah. really there. So it's just... You know, taking the inspiration from the location. Actually, that was tricky because the first time they go into the first room and they break into, because I'm also enclosed in there, um, it's hard because it has to be, we don't have multiple pieces and it actually has to be all closed in. So when they are breaking it in force, it can't fall apart. So, you know, even though I'm in there waiting this to be able to get the right reaction, acting as to be top notch, and uh, and also the breaking, so it looks interesting how they're breaking into this area. <laughs> well, they they really to be well, well, they really too. they really get it. So I know, it's like that helps with the performance. But it's 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 not just that. I mean, it is hard. It's easy to say, but it's very hard to no. do. And and we don't have all these people there attending. We're just like I'm alone in there, and then okay, hopefully, hopefully. Well, there's only so many people you could put in there anyway. Yeah. That was where I was I was kind of headed with the my next couple of questions is um and Trista, I'll start with you. Um when you had to break down this wall, like do you have actually a couple of walls? Um 
have you ever had an experience like, you know, doing construction or anything like that? You know, maybe when you were younger, like I worked at a fence company it's like that. But, you know, have you ever had anything like that where you're like, I need to swing a hammer, I need to swing a mallet that you had a feel for? Or did you practice beforehand? Because um, I imagine this was a, a, a uh, pretty much one and done type of, of, uh, of shot. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of practice. Um, but fun I, I i hadn't ever done that before i'd like to do more of it and uh for you guys where this is in your house now was this uh a, like a a piece of sheetrock and stuff that you hung up specifically for the shot or was this like part of that you were just like well you know it looks like we're going for a remodel here how did you guys do that and like what was that like um, you know, again, because you, you don't have a massive budget. So you're like, OK, we're going to construct this and we're going to do that. Like what were the legit? Well, it was all done like very realistically, like without giving things away. But you'll realize it when you when when people have seen the movie, um, there are story points where things had to have been done supposedly in the house. And all we did was basically take those story points and said, OK, those things were done. So we're going to do them. So it was all real, actually. We we basically took the real existing elements of the house and did the things that would have supposedly been done over time in the house. So when they broke through, well, no, I can't, I can't give anything away. I can't talk about it too much. No, but you wouldn't have closed the door, for example. No, no, but so you know, no, no, you, no, no. you can't continue this conversation. You're just going to be just, you got to stop. You can't continue it. No spoilers. No, look at what's there. And then... How yeah. can we design it? How can we adjust it and make modifications so it can be removed later? But we really did it as if it would have been done. So it wasn't like, I mean, like, like we just hung, it wasn't like we just hung up like little items and faked it. Well, it had to we be really created real, it, or yeah. we created it. It was real. Yeah, yeah. So was, they were really breaking through those things. They were really breaking. It was through real. Those. She they were really breaking through those things. I appreciate that. That's that's a level of commitment that you know you don't always see from these. It wasn't pieces of foam sandblocks like maybe you'd have right. Like it It didn't look it. It looked real. Yeah, it looked real. That's why I was asking. I was like, oh, how'd they do? Like I like their shot. How'd they do that? Um, When you uh, (laughs) now, uh, Trista, you you said that you guys collaborate a lot and you work a lot together. Now, do you know uh, when you guys wrote this and you guys put this together? Were you like, okay, Trista is Alyssa? Or were you like, well, maybe we'll have her do something else? Or was it like always like you had specific people in mind? You want to take it? Um, well, we, we were Trista on our previous film, Malignant. And she had a very small role. Um, we didn't know her and she was recommended to us by a filmmaker. And we really loved her performance and we wished she had a bigger role. And basically when we started looking at another movie we really wanted to work with Chris, with Trista and then you basically shaped the well, character I wrote it I wrote it with her very much in mind but then I didn't tell Trista I was doing it so then we brought Trista in to audition for this role that was written for her but we actually never told her it was written for her to like way later we finally told her cuz I, I I you know cuz I really wanted her to audition and and you know, like, you know, like any actress in, in show, like, I mean, I had, we had a belief that she would be able to do a great job in this role, but we still auditioned uh, her for it, 
and you know our our belief was justified we could tell from from the auditioning but we didn't want to just serve it up on a platter i guess even though we did yeah that's, <laughs> secretly, secretly that makes sense um now trista when you uh you know you had to do a lot of uh physical stuff in this and i would imagine that there's not a lot of uh stunt doubles uh on an independent film set so you know when you're when you're crawling down under the house with the with the plumber and like all these other things are going on like were there any stunts where you're like you know, like you know like under the like oh there's mice and spiders and and things running around not a huge fan of this or were there some like you were saying you know tearing through walls that were like really fun um i was pretty cautious when we went into the cross spaces especially the one of the cross spaces i'm sort of on on my hands and knees crawling on so i was i went down and made sure there wasn't you know broken glass and stuff i i, I was cautious to like survey the area so i didn't get hurt um and i i mean i do indie horror so i I enjoy doing my own stunt. Really fun for me. It's it, it's something that excites me in a script. So yeah, that stuff was super fun. But I'm always super aware of things like that. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure. Yeah, she's- I was gonna say I'm sure you guys wouldn't put her in a position where it's like, okay, so we need you to fall off this roof, <laughs> roll down the stairs. You'll be on fire the whole time. Well, you well didn't. we didn't do that, uh, but uh, we definitely, um, she really did. I, I don't think I ever really 100%, 110% appreciated it until I was editing it. And I was like, wow, she really, she really falls down a lot. <laughs> she really has a lot of falls. Uh, but she doesn't so, I mean, I think she just gets in the moment. And when she's screaming her head off and reacting, it's actually amazing, Trista, that you were able to do it. And not accidentally hurt yourself because you're you you when you look at it, it looks like you're in a moment and and just reacting so physically, it doesn't look like you're in the least bit like trying to protect yourself. I mean, I guess you must be doing that from the rehearsals. You must be enticing it somewhere, but it's just amazing what you would do in some of those falls, uh, like in the in the bathroom we talked about in the bathtub scene, and or even in yeah. the hallway uh, scene. There were some pretty big. Um, moments that you did able to do it all in one in one shot without having to hide it. So. Well, usually, I mean, if I, what I remember is like, for example, in the crawl space, I, we would make sure like the, the main thing were like little stones or tiny little because there's dirt, but sometimes they're tiny little. Those really hurt the knees or mm. or the hand. Like what you think would not be you know hurtful, and so we would clean everything up, and then I would go. through I would go through all the stuff that it, it had to be a path. You, even when we were in the in the park, mm-hmm. like the forest, like mm-hmm. same thing, same thing, or in the crawl space, or um, you know, we just wanted to make sure that she was okay. Because that was sure. <laughs> that was something. You know, it's a weird thing, but I was like, man, this is like the cleanest, like under the house I've ever seen of any, like. There's no lead. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, we're out in Massachusetts, so like our, our, our grounds a little bit different out here because you know, yeah. there's a lot of like big rocks underneath. But 
you know, anytime mm-hmm. I've ever been like, you know, like when I was a kid, I'd hide under somebody's porch, like when we're playing hide and seek, whatever. And there's just leaves and bugs and like all kinds of stuff underneath. Like this yeah. looked immaculate. This is like yeah, I could. It's very dry. It's very dry here. But that's yeah. real. So, that, that's how yeah. it is underneath. Actually, you know, we did find some stuff when we moved in for, that people had left. But we, we oh did yeah, that was a long time. Including, ago. including a note um, that can also was an inspiration. That was kind of weird. Yeah. We found this uh, this kind of breaking up note that someone just left there, and it was it was eaten by a mouse. It, it was, was in the cr- it was in the crawl space. It was the we still have there. it. Yeah, we still have Somewhere it. Here. That's pretty cool. Uh, we go into a lot of this in the. Well, I mean, Trista kind of talked about it. The the blue uh, the VOD is out now uh, online. You can find the movie, but the Blu-ray is coming out in February. And we did a special uh, fifty-five minute uh, extra behind the scenes on there. So, which is all original, not playing clips from the movie, not doing sit-down interviews with people. It's all stuff we shot specifically uh, for the extra feature. And we brought, as Trisha said, we brought people to the house to tell personal stories, but also the stories that inspired the movie and, and be able to show props and talk about that kind of stuff. So I think it's a, it's a fun extra, I think, on the Blu-ray because I, I love getting uh, hard copy discs. Yeah, and physical I, media, just, yeah. I'm always disappointed if it doesn't have, like, good extras, you know? <laughs> Because if you're going to get that, it's like you should get those extras with it. You know? Yeah, there's a there's a couple of things that I wrote down, but I don't know if I want to get into it because you know we we can talk about it a little bit off air because I don't want to give too much away and okay. I, and it's something I wrote down. I'm like, oh, this is kind of uh, it's innocuous, but then at the same time, I was like, if I do this, then it's like so. I'm not going to say it, but we can talk to you a little bit off air before we okay. get into the main show. But I will say that one of the Thank things you. <laughs> you're welcome. I want people to enjoy this exactly as as I got to, you know, going into it completely cold. I didn't even read the IMDb uh, the synopsis. I just wanted to. Leo's like, hey, we're talking to these folks. Do you want to check it out? And I'm like, absolutely. Let's see what we got. There's a phrase that's been kind of popularized in the last couple of years, ever since the, the last Jedi came out. Uh subversion of expectations and some people and i guess to a lesser extent you know people kind of uh with m night Shyamalan, it's like oh it's a twist you know like you didn't expect this to happen it's like some crazy thing with this film there's actually a subversion of expectations done right you know you. You, you start out and it's like you know it's a ghost story and it's a ghost story but there are so many different layers that every time you think like, okay, I've got this figured out, it's like you don't though, because it takes a couple of tropes from you know specific uh, other stories that are that you'll see a lot in ghost stories, but yeah. it really it's like, oh well, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this place and I'm gonna go to a hotel, and it's like, well, it doesn't matter, it's 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 part of you, it's it's you know following you, so it's like, well, I'd better go back and you know, confront it, see what I can do. And that happens in a lot of films. But the way it's done in this film, I really, really enjoy it. Like, it, it really helped, you know, sell the film for me. Because, you know, it's... Thank you. It wasn't lazy. It wasn't, you know, like you see so often. It's like, well, uh happens. And, like, you know, because somebody writes themselves into a corner. Like, it was actually well done. And it's like, okay... I watched this film all the way through. They clearly had a plan. They were on the same page. Everyone involved knew what was going on and executed it very well. 
Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. We worked really hard um, to take it moment by build. Every moment builds to something else, to a new surprise revelation, either either what the character sees or what she experiences. And so it's just so... It actually is interesting you say that because nowadays a lot of people are really impatient and want to see like some everything right away. But we took that risk and uh, we decided to just build it because that's the only way where by the end of the movie, people are just have gotten so much accumulation of events, of things happening and feelings that then they get, there's a satisfaction at the end. Right. Uh, but that was a big risk to take because we feel like some people just don't really um, want us to a build at the beginning. And, and we had to go and through that route so things don't escalate. Just you're getting there and you're right. just getting, you're going through a ride. And it's little by little, it just it keeps on growing. That was the intention. Yeah. Well, we really wanted, the reason it took us a while to get the script right, we did the other uh, Malignant in between, was we really wanted like all the little puzzle pieces and all the little moments and all the little suspense and scare scenes to not just be a suspense and scare scene on their own. It's a suspense and scare scene, yes, but it's also another piece of the puzzle. So by the time you get to be, you actually can reflect back without having to rewatch the movie or without having to do the trope of throwing a bunch of flashbacks to remind you. So you can actually, by the time you get to the end, you go, oh, yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah, that's why. So it all like all the little pieces kind of like all kind of lock in together and, and have a and, ha- and, and have it be satisfied as opposed to like one of the things I can't stand uh, as a writer is there's a trope where it's like, uh, I mean, Friday 13th used to do that where they would like they do a fake jump scare because someone opens the closet and a cat comes out of this cabin is like, how long has the freaking cat been in that cabin? I mean, it's an abandoned cabin. How long has the cat been in the, in that closet? You know, it makes no sense. He's a third or generation they, cat. Yeah. Or, they want to, or even in ghost stories, you're like, you'll see something. I don't want to name names because I don't like to put that yeah, in yeah. the movie, but you, you'll see things where like, Oh, we're going to have a creepy scene where a ball rolls down the hallway. You're like, but there's no reason for it. Like, what does the ball mean? How does that connect to the story? Oh, nothing. It's just a cool scene to have a ball or down a hallway. And we just didn't want to have that in the movie. If, if there's a creepy little scene or moment with an object or something someone's experiencing, even if you don't understand what it means right then, we wanted to make sure that when you finish, as you progress in the story, it'll all click into place and make sense. Oh, it leads to, it leads to. Yeah, it leads to something. It has a, it isn't just something thrown in there to be a cool scene. Right. And so I appreciate that you, that you, yeah. you called that. Yeah. Like that, you know, it, I, as I'm watching, you know, it's almost like we're watching it and, you know, Trista is acting as a proxy for the audience. We learn stuff as she learns stuff. Like it's not this huge X and dump. It's not that, you know, it's little by little, piece by piece, step by step. It's this is, you know, how a story should progress. Like this is what would happen in reality. It's like, you know, as opposed to a, like, you know, I, it's not a bad movie in any way, shape or form. But, uh, you know, young Frankenstein, when he finds the, the book, How I Did It by Victor Frankenstein. And it's like, oh, my God, I like let now it's like it's a drive. But uh, again, that's a comedy. It's not a serious horror film. But, you it's know, perfect, perfect. Yeah. but you get the, the, the point I'm making, because it's the same point you just made. Like, you don't want to just. Yeah. Hey, here's something wacky that happened. Oh, I thought it would, you know, it doesn't really affect the plot. And 
you know, Trista, you were very believable right. as Alyssa, like, you know, slowly learning these things. You're coming into these these realizations and it's like, oh, man, like this is this is, you know, amazing. Like how did you know one of the things I don't like and again, this wasn't a bad film, but I recently watched Sweetheart on Netflix and it's like, oh, this girl is, you know, trapped on a, a desert island, but she's an expert spear fisherman and she can, you know, she has all these survival skills. But it's like, where the hell did you get all these survival skills? Like, is this the first desert island you've been trapped on? <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's like, like she's putting hammocks way up in a tree to escape a monster. And like, she's seriously spear fishing. Like, it's like, where did, where, how did you know how to do all this? <laughs> Like it yeah. took Tom Hanks like a month and on Castaway. But she watched she watched Castaway like the day before. That's probably what it was. You know, she. So uh, before well, thank I, you. oh no, you're you're more than welcome. I really enjoyed this. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, what were you going to say, Lo? Oh, you know, in in reference to Trista's acting, you know, we shot the movie out of order, and of course, it, yeah. it's all over the place. So. Uh, bless you. Thank you. So that <laughs> that consistency and, and still being with her as we're like shooting all over the place is is really uh, admirable. It's really well done. I agree. Thank you, Lo. But we should also mention uh, Lo's lighting is also like a huge like. So we're talking about basically what we're saying is everything has to be motivated with stitching the film together with acting and also those lighting is very motivated as well which is an interesting thing i didn't really understand before this film how to tell a story with lighting and she had some really interesting concepts like she felt very strongly that scary things had to happen during the daytime you know to sort of catch you off guard um so I, I, and and the music as well. Like obviously everything is stitched together and it's so motivated. And I feel like that's why the film works because every uh, I, I like to think that everything is really motivated. Yeah, lighting, well, thank you, lighting and music really add to the atmospheric tension because you want to feel that as an audience, you want to feel what the the characters on screen are feeling. So especially in a haunted house movie. Yes. I totally agree. I mean, with the lighting, actually, I mean, I, I designed it so it's moving. So not moving necessarily as a camera is moving, but as it's evolving. So so if if we're in this particular space, then we'll be a little different in there when if we come back to it or the lighting changes. So, so you always feel, can you're discovering a place even if you've been there before? Um, so, and, and in terms of light and day and... That was all planned. Um, we even had to change a little bit of the script sometimes, mm -hmm. a few times, to change the time of day, just so that it would work better with lighting, you know, and, and the, the motion um, of it. Yeah, and real quick, because he brought up the music and, and sound design, uh, Benedict Brydern, who also scored our, our third feature we did, which is another supernatural horror film, Dark Remains, he came back and, and scored this for us and just did an amazing job. He worked so hard. Yeah getting the arc of the music to fit the arc of the movie. Uh, and then uh, Mark Lee Fletcher, who I've been working with actually all the way since high school uh, doing uh, short films. Um, he came on as a co-sound designer of the movie and actually created programs 
uh, to create original sound design effects. Excellent. So not from a library. So he actually was able to take real, real sounds and through his programs he created, change them to create some really interesting sound textures, which I, I thought he did an amazing job. That's awesome. So you said it's going to be uh, coming out. It, we got to wrap up. Uh, but you said the movie's okay. coming out in February. Oh. Uh, don't worry, we'll have we'll we'll get a tr- we'll get a chance to talk more with the other gents uh, in a few minutes. But uh, you said the movie's coming out in February. Uh, where can folks find it? Where can folks find your other work? Uh, we'll start with uh, Brian and Lou. Uh, yeah, I mean, right now it's out already on VOD on the digital platform. So wherever you go to see a movie like uh, Voodoo or iTunes or on demand, Google Play, blah, 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 uh, DirecTV. So like any of those places where you like to check out movies, it's on those. If you just type in Echoes of Fear, the uh, Blu-ray uh, actually is going to come out uh, in February. Ooh, and this nice. is the Blu-ray is what has all the extras on it. So there's actually like about an hour, not only the 55-minute uh, Echoes in the Dark we made, but there's also like um, three different Q&As we edited together at festivals as a separate feature. And some other extras as well. So there's about an hour and 15 minutes of like bonus material yeah. on there. So it's a it's a really cool Blu-ray. I'm excited when that comes out in February. To check it and out. where will folks be able to pick that up? Oh, I, I don't know exactly <laughs> the exact oh, places it'll be yet. Uh, but I know it's coming out in February. I'm not sure like all the exact retail outlets that will have it yet. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but I'm sure if you Google it. Uh, in February, you'll be able to... And we'll have it on, on our websites. We'll put it in. Yeah. We'll put where people can find the Blu-ray. And also, if you you, you can always, uh, uh, you know, keep, if you keep in touch with us, let me know, and I'll, I'll paper it all over the place. Sure. Cool. Yes. cool. I'd love, yeah, I want you to see the behind the scenes. Uh, and then uh, our uh, third and fourth feature, the ones before this, they're, they're on Amazon Prime right now. If you have that, you can you can watch Excellent. those with your uh, if you have an Amazon Prime account. Yeah. Uh, and they're, I think they're also in other places now. They've been out for a while, but uh, I know they're on Prime. In some places. But that's Dark, At least Dark Remains and Malignant. Yeah, Dark Remains is a supernatural horror film. Malignant is a, a psychological uh, horror film with science fiction elements that uh, stars uh, Gary Carnes and uh, Brad Dorif um, is in that. So, yeah, so those are the, the our first two that we did, are, yes. I think, are very difficult to find now. Very hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm going to do a little plug. Uh, this is, it's going to be backwards on the screen, but uh, Innards um, is an illustrated horror novella that we're hoping to put out this year, sometime in 2020. Ooh, uh, but nice. basically it has, it has color illustrations um, on one page and on the other page, it has the text that goes with it. So it's a pretty unique uh, format and it's a different kind of horror thing for us. It's a, it's a kind of a really wacky, uh, a really wacky uh, horror comedy creature thing. So we're kind of excited about. It. Hopefully, it'll be out in twenty twenty. I'm still. We got to get it done. I'm but, almost done. Yeah. I'm still coloring the book. So. And uh, Trista, where can uh, folks find you in your work? Oh, thanks. So um, I also just want to say I've been able to flip through innards, and I I love innards, so <laughs> I can vouch for that. Yeah, please check out Echoes of Fear. You can follow me on uh, uh, Trista Robinson on Facebook or Twitter, and I post updates. And um, I have a couple other films also on Amazon Prime, Toy Road, and The Human Race. Excellent. 
Well, I want to thank you guys and for she's joining shooting, me. She's shooting two right now, so she's very busy. Three. <laughs> shooting three right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank you guys for joining me. I really appreciate it. And uh, I will post links to uh, as much of your stuff as I possibly can, and I will definitely uh, promote Echo Sophia when the uh, Blu-ray launches. So thank you guys very much. I appreciate thank it. Thank you for having us. It, yeah, it, was, was, it was a blast. So much fun. Thank you. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Hey there, this is JB. And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. <laughs> You're going to need a bigger boat. Welcome back, and thank you for checking out that uh, interview. I had a lot of fun with it. I hope you uh, really got your curiosity piqued for this film, because I know that uh, if you check this out, you're really going to enjoy it. Um, you might not enjoy it as much as I did because I have very eclectic taste in films, but that's okay. As long as you enjoy it, there's something that you, you like about it, um, I think you'll have a good time. Uh, there's some really interesting twists and turns that this takes, as you heard from the uh, interview that we uh, just played. But uh, yeah, definitely check out Echoes of Fear as soon as I have an exact date, and uh, I, will, I will post that so everyone can see it. I will post links and all that good stuff. Uh, if you check the Shark Bites Facebook group, you will see the uh, the trailer for this film, which, again, doesn't give too much away, which I kind of like. Uh, you know, like we talked about, you don't want to give away your main plot twists or storylines all in the trailer. Uh, that's how you really screw movies up. So I definitely think you should check this out, and I think you will enjoy it. So do yourself a favor and uh, keep an eye out on this page and on my main page because uh, I will be posting information as soon as I have it. This week uh, on Throwdown Thursday, I want to quickly touch on that because there's some cool stuff. Because speaking of uh, movies coming out, there's a movie that comes out today, if you're listening to this on Tuesday the 28th. It is called Battle Star Wars, and it is uh, directed by good friend of the show James Thomas, who directed Megalodon. And speaking of Megalodon, uh, there are a few actors who are who are reprising roles or you know, crew and cast members that are returning to work with James again, and we talk all about that on this week's episode. But we interviewed James, and we interview Amy Stolte, who played uh, Yana Popov in uh, in Megalodon. And she gets into, you know, how she, how she had to uh, talk about 
uh, speaking Russian, and you know, luckily for her, Igor Makitas was on was on uh, was in the a part of the cast and was able to help her through that because there was a lot of stuff that she had to learn. And it's like, oh, how do I how do I say this? Oh, wait, I have a guy who speaks Russian fluently and can teach me and and show me uh, <laughs> exactly what I need to say, how I need to say it. So you know, they were very lucky lucky to uh, have somebody like that right on right on staff. So that worked out really really well so uh, this week uh, for my shark fact I have you know again uh, I'm going with the uh, the NOAA site and uh, one of the things that uh, people find interesting is or at least I did I don't know if everyone will but hopefully you will uh, for my fun shark fact today I'm talking about how not all sharks have the same teeth certain sharks have different teeth depending on what type of predator they are like mako sharks have uh very pointed teeth while like say great whites great whites have triangular serrated teeth the one thing that we do know about sharks is they have many 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 rows of teeth and will go through thousands in a lifetime so it all depends on the type of hunter that a shark is. Like, you know, for a great white, they need to take really big bites and incapacitate their prey. Makos are faster, so they're able to, you know, kind of chase chase them down. And, you know, it's it's all about the angle of the jaw. It, it's really fascinating. Uh, I'll try to put up some pictures of different shark teeth so folks can see the difference in the, the group. But uh, I think with that being said, uh, I'm trying to think if we have anything else coming up not sure what next week's show is going to be i don't have anything lined up at this time but uh i can guarantee you it's going to be something fun and exciting at least uh i hope you find it to be so but uh we do have wicked weekend coming up in a couple of weeks uh just under it's under a month now it's about three weeks from now the 21st 22nd and 23rd of february and this will be down in mystic connecticut at the mystic hilton ashes and i already have our room so we're very excited for that but, uh, yeah, we've got some interesting stuff uh, coming up. And, uh, yeah, so I think with that being said, I just want to remind you that I may be the podcaster. But as a listener, you are my chum. Have a great week, folks.